Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is brought to you in association with Five Stars Promotions. To find out all about Five Stars' latest events, including many featuring ex-Rangers heroes, then please visit them on Twitter, at Five Stars Limited, that's at 5 Numeric 5 Stars LTD, or search for them on Facebook. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that knows all about being badly out of form. This week on Heart and Hand, a week which saw us up and down quicker than a whore's knickers. So welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar and I'm joined this week to discuss, <laughs> well, the, the sublime and the ridiculous, really. First of all, it's our tactics guru, Mr. Adam Thornton. Am I, am I the sublime one? That, well, we can't really describe it just now, can we? We'll need to wait until the end of the show. <laughs> Hi, David. Happy to be here. And Mr. James Forrest. No, not that one. Mr. David Edgar, Mr. Sublime, Adam Thornton. Pleasure to be speaking to you once again. Mr. Sublime would be a great name for a wrestler or a rapper. <laughs> it would. Either it would fit into either one of those categories. Gentlemen, we went along to the Europa League on Thursday night. We took on a Braga side that we suspected were quite good. And that suspicion was proved correct as they battered us and waltzed round us for an hour, establishing a two-goal lead. And then in the last 25 minutes... Out of nowhere, Rangers pulled a performance of such quality and heart and spirit and drive, including two wonderful goals, that we ended up turning the tie round. And all of us left there thinking that was one of those nights, one of those special ones you'll be talking about in years to come, high as kites. And then, Adam, we turn up in Perth on Sunday and all the failings are back. Dreadful defending, can't get moves going, needs a change of shape and uh, Camberry to come on to play because the team that had been picked was the wrong team again and eventually surrendering points from a winning position. This team is positively schizophrenic. 
Yeah, if you could sum up Rangers under Steven Gerrard or even Rangers for the last three or four years, it's pretty much summed up quite nicely in, in those two games, yeah. Um, I thought, yeah, same as you, I thought Braga, the first hour or so, they gave us a bit of a lesson in terms of moving the ball, their shape caused us loads of problems. We did create a number of chances um, in that first hour. I think we probably just about matched them in terms of, of chances created. Uh, they obviously got the two goals and, and we very much didn't. Um, but yeah, all of a sudden, whether it's a mentality thing, whether it's we thought we were down and out, we've got nothing left to lose, we just give it a go. I'm not too sure. But yeah, what an incredible night. Um, and it's quite unbelievable that... We had eight shots in target against Braga and we go to St Johnson and we only managed to get six. How is that? I get quality of opposition. They're attacking more Braga, for example, but it just it just sums us up that we can basically be more prolific in front of goal against a team of that quality than we can against St Johnson. It, it really does sum us up. James, one of the things that's regularly thrown at a team like Wolves, for example, down south is that they can get up for the big games. Uh, Manchester United even fit into this category and you've seen it in leagues all over that there are games that the players are just set for the atmosphere is big, the opposition are big and they get bang up for it. Is this something that this Rangers team struggles with that they just cannot get themselves to the level of motivation required for matches against the likes of St Johnston away? Because we've taken one point from nine of our last three aways, all against bottom half sides. Uh, that doesn't chime with a team who can on their day do the kind of things that they've been doing in Europe, you know, when they've come up against Celtic. Is it a mentality thing or is it just this team is shit out of form and now shit out of confidence and they're making stupid mistakes that they normally wouldn't? I think it's a combination of all of those things. Um, I think there was a suspicion for a while that there were some players within a squad that you could fit into that category if they only really turn up for the big games. Uh, I'm not sure you could have said that about the squad. I think you can say that about the squad now, though, um, because all you need to do is look at the evidence. The only time we've really looked sharp in terms of our play um is, is the Braga game, but only the latter half of the Braga game. So that still comes under the the confidence factor that we were talking about. Um, the rest of the time, you know, particularly the away games, uh, it's been terrible lately. You know, when when the team don't have the Ibrox crowd, you know, backing them the way that they certainly did uh, in midweek in the Europa League, they find it very difficult to motivate themselves. And I think. You can criticise both the players for that and also the management team for not being able to motivate the players uh, up to a point to say, yeah, it's not the glamorous European game where you've got millions of people that are going to be watching this. Yeah, it's your standard fair SPFL game away from home at a ground that is nowhere near the size of Ibrox. But you've still got to go out and you've still got to perform. And the fact that we haven't been able to do that, especially considering... You look back in 2019, you think back to the game against Hibs. We played excellent football there at times. You think back to, uh, you know, the Motherwell we got, we put in a very professional performance and did the job there. We've done that over the course of the season. We've been very capable of that. The fact that now in 2020, it's just we've hit this dip and we find it harder and harder to get ourselves out of that is very concerning and I think there's a lot of different factors at play in terms of whether it's you know team selection and trying to trust 
too many of the key players too much and not trusting the squad enough or whether it's uh, a lack of wanting to change the way that you play or you know the lack in you know trusting one or two guys that we've we've signed uh, to really go and let them play the way that they want to play. Uh, there's a concern on many, many different levels and on the footballing front as to why we're really in the slump. I think that sometimes as fans we want a, a silver bullet. If we can just figure out what it is, then we can fix it and everything will get back to the way we want it to be. Um, and one of the things that, that has come up is something must have happened in in Dubai. And that's why we've been... So- nothing happened in Dubai. Now you can talk about, was it the right training would we have been better off maybe just having a holiday for some of like all of that's valid, but the idea that there was just some big fallout and that's caught that didn't happen and it would be nice in a way if it did because then you could say well there was this big big fallout and if we can repair that we'll get back to normal but unfortunately it's slightly more complicated as they came back I'm sure that they thought after December 29th they were in a really good place we had some straightforward looking fixtures they started slowly we all recall that. And then they've just hit a bad a bad run of form for whatever reason. Confidence is gone, and therefore the dip gets worse and becomes less of a dip and <laughs> now more into a trough, I think. Adam, tactically, shape, squad, positionally, why are we watching the same lineup week in, week out when it's quite clear that it isn't working? He's having to change it at half time pretty much on a weekly basis and he's having to make subs, yet those subs, when they come on and out of the game, find themselves back on the bench the next week, and the guys who have not been playing well continue to wear the shot. That seems counterintuitive to me. I'm going to be a little bit obtuse here, which probably won't surprise either of you. Um, I think we have tweaked things a, a fair bit, possibly too much in in some instances, and, and nothing has worked. I think we, and I'm probably including myself in this, get a little bit hung up and change of formations and this mysterious plan B. But I think, as I've said before, the formation can say, can stay the same, but different players can play it in a different way. Camberry playing in Kent's position offers something totally different. He's so much more offensive. Kamara playing where Arfield plays, again, totally different. The fullbacks, Barisic and Tav, compared to Flanagan and Halliday, we, we can't cope with that loss in quality so there are tweaks that have been made some of them enforced some of them to try and get us going um it is a worry that we start games the way we have and we've had to make these changes that are quite significant uh, sunday for me was the first of those when i think everybody called for Camberry to play either in place of ken or in place of morelos with with wednesday night in mind and it never happened and then the manager acknowledged i assume that that was a mistake uh, and he moved Aribo to left back uh, and Camberry come on and it worked quite well when we went a bit more offensive up top but i do think we've made a lot of tweaks as we've went um it is tweaks though it's not a complete revolution we've not went three at the back or consistently went four four two we have made some tweaks um i just think we're struggling on three fronts for me i think mentality undoubtedly um when we get a lead those three games those three away games that you've mentioned we've been in the lead until relatively deep into the second half certainly on two occasions it's been the last 15 minutes and we've not been able to hang on so mentality is an issue there i think also quality the fact that our center halves can't deal with long balls, um, either of them really. When one of them goes for the ball, the other one seems incapable of anticipating that he might not win it uh, on the ball and and tracking his runner. So that's a bit of a worry for me. Um, And then I think it's a bit of an excuse for me, David, but injuries and suspensions have played a big part. 
Barisic and, and Tavernier are crucial to the way that we play. Um, they delivered 20 assists in the first half of the season. The players who have been playing at fullback, and I include them in it, none of them had delivered an assist until Tavernier put the ball in yesterday for Camberry. So there was 20 assists in the first half of the season. We've now played 10, 12 games so far in 2020, and none of them had delivered an assist. That's such a huge drop-off in quality in terms of build-up play. You then factor in the goals that Morelos and Defoe had scored in the first half of the season, and we were at, what, 45 or something? Since the turn of the year, Defoe got three goals, Morelos has one. The goals are gone out of the team because of that, and the assists are gone out of the team because of the injuries, suspensions, whatever, injuries mostly in, in the fullbacks case. So there is a big drop-off there that we don't really seem to talk about. The second part of that, I think, as I mentioned, is the quality in reserve. We can't cope with Flanagan or Halliday playing. There's a stat flying about that Barisic and Tavernier haven't... Of all the games that Barisic and Tavernier have missed, we've only won one of them, I think, which mm. um, is a shocker. That's into double figures. That that can't continue. Um, it's clear that that's a drop-off. So for me, I think there are a multitude of issues. Um, mentality, as I said... Injuries and suspension and then quality backups. And I guess the fourth one is that the backups that do look to be quite good, he either doesn't trust or sends out on loan. So, yeah, there's there's a few things there that um, I think need to be resolved. Yeah, it's especially galling at this uh, at this stage to see Jamie Murphy and Greg Doherty both doing so well. But in terms of the Greg Doherty one, he does have Florin Camberry came in, James, and has literally changed the game every time he's been brought on with time to do so. And you get chucked on for a few minutes when we've been chasing. You can't really count that. But in other matches, Livingston yesterday, when he's been given a bit of time, he's come on, he's looked assured, and he's helped turn the game in Rangers' favour. And yet he didn't start, despite the fact that he'll have to start on Wednesday. Now, the, the only thing I can think about is the manager thought, well, we better not do that in case anything happens to him. But if he's going to play anyway, and it, an injury can happen at any point. And an injury could have happened to any one of the 11 yesterday, and a lot of them are going to play on Wednesday night. So don't really buy that as an excuse, in all honesty. I think that just for whatever reason, the manager is stubborn. He wants to go to in place 4-3-3. And I think something that really went up people's backside sideways yesterday was getting the lead, getting 2-1. We immediately went back in to 4-3-3, one up front, and paid the price, didn't look like scoring. Uh, after conceding a, another horrible goal. We will come to the centre-halves in a minute. But it, it's very good, I suppose is the word, that we have a backup who is looking so good in, in such form. Against that, if we're not going to use them, then doesn't do us a, a whole lot of good, does it? We shouldn't be making team decisions on the basis of, oh, but he may get injured. Um, because you can't countenance for that. Anything can happen in a game of football in a 90 minutes or a 45 minutes whenever you're bringing a player on. Um, we are not in a position at the moment to be able to pick and choose in terms of games. You know, we're, we're lagging behind in the league and we need to pick up points in these kind of games. St Johnston is just as crucial a game as Braga away, so you've got to play the players that are in form. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind and any of your minds, anyone within the heart and hand community, any Rangers fan whatsoever, that Florian Camberry is by far and away our most informed attacking player at the moment. And the fact that he doesn't start on Sunday is a shocking decision because, as you say, the two games that he came on for prior to the St. Johnson game 
we look better when he was there because he's sharper. He looks hungrier. He's wanting to, you know, he's, he's, he's doing things that Ryan Kent isn't doing, which is pointing and wanting the ball and explaining to the players, I want the ball here, give it to me, and I know what I'm going to do with it because I'm feeling a lot calmer and my mentality is in the right place right now. And he comes on after 45 minutes in Perth and completely changes the game. Scores a brilliant volley that only a player that is really on fire and really feels like he's up for it is going to score. Sets up Joe Aribo. Really, really clever move. Good play. And I'm very, very confident that... And I'm actually, in a weird way, in any other circumstance, you'd be feeling really gutted that your star striker was suspended for the return leg in Portugal. I'm absolutely delighted that Morelos can't play because it means that Steven Jard will feel forced to play Florian Camberi. And that will be for the betterment of the team, the fact that he's going to play. So it is a weird one. I, When we scored the second goal on, on Sunday, I was both delighted at the fact that we turned the game round. But at the same time, I was really annoyed with the management for the fact that we didn't put Kimberry in from the start. Because we could have saved ourselves a whole load of bother by having the game sewn up in the first half by that point. But it's, it's a stubbornness because Alfredo Morales is his guy. You know, he'll look at guys like Morelos, like Kent, like Katic, and say, I'm, I, I want them to play through the Basfeld and get to the other side of that. Now, that's fine and well if you don't really have a big score to utilise. But we do have a big score to utilise. We do have players that can come in, and you would like to think that they would be capable of doing well against St. Johnston. You think about guys like George Edmondson. You think about guys like Greg Stewart and as we said, Florian Camberry. If you're telling me that these are guys that cannot come into a game like that and make a difference, then recruitment has failed or you're too afraid to make those changes. If it's recruitment that's failed, you've got to fix that in the summer. If it's a fear of bringing these guys in, you have to stop being afraid and you have to put these kind of players into games like that. You have to use the squad better. Adam, I didn't think the manager had a particularly good day yesterday. I've got to say that uh, I thought he got the team wrong, uh, and I think that was kind of demonstrably proven. Uh, his substitutes later in the game didn't seem to work. One of the defences uh, people put on was that they said, "I but you know against Kilmarnock when we were all screaming out for Davis to come on, he didn't put him on. He got criticised. Well, it was against Kilmarnock we'd no attacking intent at that point. It was obvious we did need something more in midfield. Whereas yesterday we were dominant, and it was our decision to change that and and invite pressure, and it didn't work for us." And then lastly, the thing that I thought he had a bit of a shocker with was his interview because he basically threw his, his defence under the bus, which was fair enough, I suppose, in a way, because they were honking. Um, we were screaming, talking in our wee chat group, I'm sure other bears were as well, about why is Katich still on the pitch? He should never have been on the pitch to make the mistakes leading up to the second goal. And then he says, uh, yeah, I need Philip Hellander back sharpish. Well, yeah, great, but he's not due back soon. And you've got three centre-halves, who, two of whom are going to have to play. And you've basically, well, two of them in particular, you've just told that you don't have much trust in them. I didn't get that. It seemed I like his honesty in interviews a lot of the time, but that one seemed counterproductive to me. And it was put to us by our good friend Martin Ramsey. He said, um, that is the interview of a captain who feels he's given his all and some of his teammates haven't, rather than a manager. Yeah, I think the fact that he's he's right um, is one thing. 
Uh, certainly, what he's what he's saying, he's correct. We we do need, yeah, we do need to earn their back. But yeah, there's there's things that you you say uh, maybe privately with your coaches, or there's things that you say um, internally to a few select players, but you don't go and broadcast that out to to the public. Certainly, I don't think it looks it looks too good um, that you're basically saying, yeah, my my. Two, at least two of my centre-halves aren't good enough here and I really need to get this guy back who, like you said, well, he sits in front of me at Ibrox and three weeks ago he was still in a moon boot, so I've got no idea how how soon he's going to be back. I would wager it won't be until um, the middle of next month, so it seems counterproductive. I'm not really sure of the point of it. The the changes thing, I do feel a little bit a little bit sorry for him. He, he maybe didn't read the game, as you've, as you've alluded to, but yeah, we were screaming out for it against Kilmarnock. Um, never happened, conceded a goal. Does happen yesterday, conceded a goal. That, to me, just comes back down to that player quality centre-half-wise. That those changes would be classed as really brave or, or really good if the centre-halves could defend those two long balls, one at Kelly and one at Rugby Park. So I have a little bit of sympathy for him there. Um, I think he can't legislate for the fact that they looked like they never they hadn't played together um, in both those instances. So I do have a little bit of sympathy for him in that one, but it's a, it's a valid point. That's the 10th goal Rangers have conceded this season, James, from a kick up the park. There's, there's no other way to describe it. A long ball straight through the middle. Adam touched on it earlier that they just do not seem to deal with them well at all. One of them, if he goes to head it, if he doesn't get the, the header, then the other one never ever seems to read, as Adam says, that a runner's going to come on. And yesterday, just two painfully bad goals to give away. First one, long ball over the top. Nico Katic has a chance to deal with it, doesn't, gets robbed and ends up uh, with Callum Hendry putting the ball away. And the second one was, I thought, the build-up to it was was really the bit that annoyed me. Another long ball. The two of them can go and deal with it, but neither of them really do. It ends up in St. Johnston getting a corner. From that, more errors with Katic failing to clear the ball and uh, May sticking it away. It it's one thing to say they're not playing well, and we are. Um, I think all agreed on that. But this is a regular issue, and it's a fairly basic one that you would expect to get sorted a lot quicker than it has been. Well, it hasn't been at the time of, of recording. When a team plays two centre-backs, there's the kind of tradition, and, and it makes sense of you've got one guy who's going to go and attack a ball in a situation like that and you've got one guy who's going to hang back and sweep up in case the ball does come back the way um, you, you think back, one of the best centre-back partnerships we've had in certainly my memory, Craig Moore and Lorenzo Amoruso, Amo would always go and attack the ball and Moore would be there to sweep up and that worked absolutely fine now, Golton and Katic you know from the off that Katic is the one he's, he's playing the Amo role he's going and attacking the ball that's his bread and butter, he likes doing that and Conor Goldson is going to be the guy that's going to sweep up after. The problem that Nico Katic has at the moment, and I think this is still something, you know, this is a development factor. He needs to learn when to go for the ball and when to wait. Uh, he's, he sometimes seems a bit too eager to just go because, oh, that's my job and I'm going to do that. It's a bit too robotic. He has to think a bit more uh, in, in terms of the game and whether he, has, he can just maybe hang back and let the ball let the ball drop and then deal with it rather than always going for the header. Um, if you look at the two goals that we concede against St Johnston, the the issue 
from Cat. It's he's, he's I think he's just lost sight of the ball because of the sun. Um, and I think he's just unaware of that. Now, he still has the opportunity to go and deal with it. Uh, I'm, I'm not shirking him a responsibility there. It's, it's on him. But at the same time, where's Connor Goldson in that in that moment? He's nowhere near where the ball is. He's nowhere near doing that role of sweeping up after. He's far too far away from Katic in that situation. And with the second one, it's just a comedy of errors. That we have plenty of opportunities to just boot the ball away. We're in a winning position. They can't score a goal if the ball's up the other end of the park. Just clear the thing. And both players fail to do that, both with that build up to the corner and the corner itself and there's miscommunication going on left, right and centre um, they almost look hungover when they were playing yesterday it was almost like they stayed up to watch the boxing and then went straight through the game from there, uh, very very disappointing, the one thing I would say and I think this is just a difference of view that Adam and I have and I won't criticise Adam for having that view. No go on, go and criticise him well, I like it too much, and he's he's smarter than me, and will say something nasty, I'm sure. Um, I, as much as we say, you know, sympathy for Jared for the fact that it's down to two errors that's cost us, but the problem is we're still not playing well. And if we are braver in, and I think I think it's less system and more player selection that's the problem at the moment. And if we play someone like Florian Kimberry in that game, we don't have that situation where we're only 2-1 up and we're costing ourselves with stupid errors like that. You're right, stupid errors are not something you can countenance for, and they happen. But I think there's more that the management team can do in terms of setting us up in a better way, in terms of playing someone like a Canberry who everyone knows is on form, and we don't find ourselves in that position. Adam, the reluctance to... As you, you mentioned earlier, they, they will tweak things, but there's a reluctance to move too far away from the model. And I think that that does gall a lot of the fans. But in a time like this, when collectively they're off form, I think it's fair to say Tav's nowhere near his best. Uh, the two centre-backs are going through a god-awful spell of form. Ryan Jack hasn't been the same since coming back from his injury. Stephen Davis has been very poor. Glenn Kamara has been very poor. Ryan Kent hasn't been playing well, although he was a wee bit better yesterday. He's still not not very good. And Alfredo Morelos is a shadow of what he was in the first half of the season. Really only Arfield, Aribo and, and Canberra you, and, and the goalkeeper, you would say, are, are playing well at the moment. Is it not therefore incumbent on them to say, look, we need to look at trying to get in some fresh players at the moment, some guys who've maybe not been playing, and working out the best system for them as opposed to trying to squeeze them into a preordained system. And that I'm thinking specifically about the likes of Hadji, who, when he's been moved to a central position in the last few games, has really looked a completely different player. But quite often, as I know the manager will tell us, oh, we play with two number 10s, but we don't really. Um, it, there's no evidence of that. Visually, I mean, I'm sure on paper it is, and I'm sure there are things I'm missing, but it doesn't look like it to me or anyone else that's watching it. I don't get being married so deeply to a system that isn't working. I don't understand that. Help me. So, yeah, that's that's the issue, I think. But uh, for when did we change? Was it? Was it Hibs? He changed to four two three one for the first time. Um, I can't remember. Um, and we've kind of flitted in between both of them. 
For me, I think if you're playing four two three one, Hadji wide right, which which is a wide right, isn't going to work. But when you're playing that traditional or not traditional, but our system that we've used for most of this year, which would be four three two one, then I think Hadji is is fine as one of the two number tens. I don't think it's I don't think it's necessary that he has to play as the only number ten. I think that's a complete red herring. I don't see any evidence of that. Um, Kent, there's an argument that maybe isn't suited there and maybe needs to play it a bit wider. That's fine. But if you're playing a 4-2-3-1, Hadji needs to play behind the striker. Um, I don't understand that. But then he clearly doesn't trust anybody for the, the wide right role. There, there's nobody there that, that can play it. You've got Ojo, Stewart, doesn't seem to trust them. So so that's an issue. Um, whether he thinks they don't have the quality, well, you brought them in. You say that we, we don't play wingers. Why did you buy four of them in the summer? Um, yep. There are there are issues there. Um, maybe he thought he could mould them into something, but Brandon Barker would struggle to be a winger for Rangers, never mind playing a position like a that position, that's, yeah. that's not suited to him. Jordan Jones, you could think in theory, might be able to play that kind of inside-out way, given that he's, he's right-footed and plays in the left, but against packed defences... We've been saying that for over a year on this pod, David, that we don't think he's quite suited to that. So what's going on there? Um, yeah, for me, I, I do think if I was to boil it down, the issues are the fullbacks. When one of them's not playing, it's very easy to double mark the other one. Um, the drop-off in quality is such that we, teams can just figure that out, no bother, and we've lost Morelos. Um, David, we, we do say tongue-in-cheek, Sometimes that oh we'd uh, we'd have lost that one last year or or, or whatever, but <laughs> but I realise hindsight is is twenty twenty. But I've been thinking, uh, is it possible that we were blinded by results uh, in the first half of the season? We did get a number of really good results, a lot actually. But when you think about it, how many actually good performances were there domestically? Anyway, we played about twenty two games, I think it was. I think you're struggling for double figures, if I'm honest, um, in terms of games that you would think, God, we were we were good there. Um, we play in patches, we play in spells, and we, we dominated teams. I, I think you're struggling for 10, um, to be honest. So while it's great to have that mentality to win when you're not playing well, um, that's one thing. But every other game, does, mm. that not, does that not indicate there's a deeper issue there? Does it not indicate that when you look back at it, did Morelos and Defoe get us out a lot of holes and, and mask a lot of deficiencies there? Possibly. I don't know. Maybe it is just looking back and trying to, to find reasons for it. But all those goals have been taken out of our team for, for one reason or another. Is it just as simple as that, that, that they've got us out of holes in games and, and we were over-reliant on them and we don't have enough quality to deal with that issue, to deal with Jack being out, to deal with Davis, I think, carrying a knock to deal with Kent, looking like he can't see a football, um, to deal with the centre-halves looking like they can't head a football. Is that just too many things happening at the one time and we don't have someone who can put the ball in the net? I don't know. Here's my concern about the system, if you like. Uh, I'm going to take you all the way back to the early 90s when Fabio Capello took over from Arrigo Saki and he changed the way Milan played and they went on to... They'd had some success under Saki, but they went up to a hell of a lot more under Fabio Capello and later when he was discussing it in an interview so he, he did with Gabriel Marcotti he said Capello's football was breathtaking but it only really happened about six times a season because to play it everybody had to be on form and when they were it was 
astonishing and they would destroy sides and everyone would come away saying my goodness that that's astonishing and he said but I couldn't get by on six games a, a season I needed to to make sure that the team were capable of winning when everybody wasn't quite at 100% fitness and form and I worry if that's the case with us that this style that the manager wants to play is absolutely brilliant when the circumstances are all correct but to win a title, rather than maybe just being a cup team, for example, but to win a title, you do have to be able to win when you're not playing well, win ugly, whatever you want to call it, especially for Rangers, where there are going to be these highs of a European night down to a kind of rather depressing league game a few days later. And Walter Smith, of course, was the master of it. And I think that sometimes you might need a system that actually covers deficiencies rather than relies on qualities, if that makes sense. Does it? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I think that for me, it's unrealistic to expect the reserve fullbacks that we have to to play in that way. Um, yeah, it's, it's for crazy. example, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the main. I think that's the main thing outside of Morelos. If I'm if I'm being honest, that's how we build play. That's how we create chances. They are our primary source of goals and assists. Has Flanagan ever scored? He's not, never scored a goal for us. Has he even got an assist for us? I, I doubt it. Um, has he got a goal in his career in the last nice game? Yeah, I mean, eight you're years. right. And, and the system is utterly dependent, let's be honest, on Alfredo. But, yeah. um, you know, even when it is going well, it's utterly dependent on Alfredo. And yet, you know, when he's not playing well, rather than going, okay, we need to, to make changes, we, we persevere with him because we know that it doesn't really function if he's not there. But he's not doing what he normally does. And this this is the problem. And, and James, I think that when fans are asking for you know more basic things such as two up top or whatever, it's because, with all due respect, that that we've seen what Rangers teams need to win a title, and we've seen in this strange, quirky, little, weird league of ours that's different to other places that sometimes you do need to almost have a sort of back to basics approach. And I think that a lot of Rangers' problems stem from rejecting that you you see how many goals do we concede where the opposition have done something brilliant compared to when we've made a couple of errors that we shouldn't have whereas yeah I mean it's not the most ambitious thing to say in the world right the centre halves just just hoof it when you're in trouble rather than bringing it down and trying to play but maybe that is something that the manager needs to look at because like I say I'm worried that what we have with a system is is a system that works in Europe and is, you know, at times beautiful on the eye, but isn't consistent enough throughout the season. You you mentioned Walter Smith there, um, and he's the perfect example uh, when you look at his second spell as to how you differentiate from these big games, which for Rangers are European nights and old firm games, and a setup for the rest of rest of the games. Now you think back when we had these European ties, it would be that. 4-1-4-1, you'd have Brahim and Danny sitting there doing all the sweeping up and we'd have one fast striker up top and we'd play Lee McCulloch as a target man at left mid. That worked for our European games. We got great results off the back of playing like that. We weren't going to play like that against Motherwell. We went a 4-4-2 and that worked because we had the players and you know, we had different options for strike partnerships that worked and we got results off the back of that. Now, you're right. The evidence is there to suggest that this, the Steven Gerrard system works 
in European games. We've been excellent in Europe this season. We have not lost a single home European game under Steven Gerrard. Now, that's that's a fantastic record, considering the number of European games that we've played and considering some of the teams that we've come up against. And by the way, Braga, probably the best footballing side that I've seen at Ibrox for a very, very long time. And yet we've still found a way to get a win because that system works. It doesn't work against your teams that are going to sit in and hit you on the break. And that's what the vast majority of teams out with Celtic in this league are going to do against you. That's exactly what St. Johnston did. That's exactly what Hearts did. That's exactly what Kilmarnock did. So the fact that the fact that there doesn't seem an appetite to change that in any way, you're getting into the realms of Kike Setien. You're getting into the realms of Mark Warburton even, where the system matters more than the you know the overall performance levels of the way that we play because that will come with the system. I'm sorry, that's not Rangers. The thing that matters to Rangers more than anything else in these kind of games is winning. I don't think we're interested in winning while playing really, really well in these kind of games. Oh, we if, are, if, if we can. But we if win we can, first. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's it. Win first and then if there's a bit of style on top of that, that's where you got, that's where you've got your flair guys like Ryan Kent and Yanis Hadji, that's where they come to the floor and you say, oh, it was really good because we got those kind of performances from guys like that and guys like Arebo and whatnot. But win first. And right now, we aren't winning these games. So change it. So we're we agreed aren't... that 4-4-2 with a big cunt and a wee nippy cunt up front, right? We're agreed. Boom, yeah. Big centre-back, hoofing the ball to the big guy. He nods it down for the wee guy. Seems to work against us, Adam, in all fairness. It does, yeah. I think on, on James's point on Braga, um, they, they played really nice football and that was really lovely, but they were primary school defending at the back. That was shambolic. As terrible as we were, we still cut them open. Um, so while that was admirable from them, they're not going to win anything um, playing that way. That's lovely that they can do that, but it was hopeless. Rangers wouldn't. Rangers fans wouldn't stand for that whatsoever. It's the Elsa syndrome, isn't it? Yeah. It's every every neutral raves about you, but you win hee haw, and and that's that's not us. That's not what we are as a club, unfortunately. So, um, well, unfortunately for Gerard, I mean that that does need to change. Adam, you made a point yesterday, and I wanted to to ask you a little bit about it today, and that is our centre halves and the amount of ball that they have in a game and how this is becoming a bit of an issue for us. It is. Um, I will start with Katic. Um, I have, am a, a fan of his, but I think I've also been quite consistent uh, in saying that he, he wouldn't be out of my team in any big away game or a game where your back's to the wall and you're having to defend a lot. That's when he comes into his own and, and you can utilise his talents well. Kind of similar to what James said. That is great, however... In Scotland, how many times do we need that? Five, six times a season, max, maybe less, maybe just Celtic games. Um, I'm not sure. I know people, when you kind of alluded to it there, kind of jokingly, David, I know people want their defenders to defend first and foremost, and it's an old school thing, and that's what we want. We want them to kick the ball the way they're facing. But, and it's the argument I made with, with Tavernier for years. For me, football doesn't work like that anymore. The opposition are, are much more tactically aware than they were. Back in the 90s or even the 2000s, like you mentioned with, with Walter Smith, they actually press now. That was something that has only come in in the last 10 years or so. They know they can sit deep. 
They can shut off passing angles. They can wait till the ball goes to Katic or or Flanagan or Halliday and pressure them and we'll shit the bed. Uh, they can just leave them on the ball and then when the ball comes forward, they can try and deal with that relatively easily. Um, it, it's what happens now. As much as it pains me, David, Celtic's centre-backs are significantly better on the ball than ours and that's one of the key differences. Um, I think our centre-backs are better in, in different situations than Celtic's, but Celtic's do help them build play a lot better than ours do. It is key against these type of teams that you want a, a centre half who can come forward with the ball, draw in the pressure from the from the forwards, and then play the ball through. How often do we see Katic and Golson as well? If we're being honest, how often do we see them advance with the ball, try to invite a player on, and then shit the bed, turn back and pass to either one of them or or Halliday or even back to McGregor? It is infuriating. Um, I think Goldson is better at it, but at the same time, he's not consistently great at it either. Um, I think that's more of a confidence thing right now with him because he has shown in the past he's capable of it. Katic, to me, doesn't have it in his locker. I don't think he's going to learn to do it. I just don't think it's something he can do. Um, we do miss Helander badly, as the manager alluded to. He suffers a bit with the fans for basically not being Nico Katic for some reason, but I think we're saying now that Possibly that's not a bad thing. Um, we There's too much possession, I think. Too much possession at centre-half, too much idle possession going from yep. Jack Stand and Davis. idle possession. Jack and Davis to the full-backs to, to centre-halves. Nobody moves, nobody pings it forward. There are so many opportunities where we have the ball that if we just break the line, if Katic misses out the pass to Davis and tries to play it up to Morelos or he misses it and plays it to Kent or Hadji or vice versa, it gets us moving through the lines quicker, the opposition turning, and you can make space there. Um, at the minute, we don't have that. I think it is also hamstrung, I think I've said it about three million times on this pod, but it's also hamstrung by the lack of both fullbacks. The option for them wide is gone. Um, only one of them's there, they can be marked. So it's difficult, I get it, but we should be able to pass through the lines easily. It is a key thing for me. I think it's something that Liverpool struggled with, um, until Van Dyke came in, they couldn't quite get that. They were getting lots of draws against Burnleys and, and West Broms and whoever it was. They struggled with it quite a bit. It's why Pep Guardiola prefers to have centre-backs that apparently can't head the ball, but are, are excellent with the ball, because nine times out of ten, that's what they need to do. So it's a kind of square peg round hole thing for me. I love Katic, I think he's great in big games, but right now... I'd be playing George Edmondson. The flip side of that is Edmondson didn't do very well against Hamilton, but when you compare what he needs to do in a game versus what he's not good at, maybe having someone in there who is not the best header of the ball, even in this league, the benefit of that passing ability could possibly outweigh it. So it, it is a wee bit frustrating watching it. I can understand it's not Katic's game. However, when he's not, doing what he's supposed to do from a defensive basics point of view and he's not holding his line he jumped in against Braga for the second goal he which did, nobody, yeah. nobody's really mentioned and they literally just passed around him and the, the, the Golson was one on one and the guy scored he does it every game he needs to learn you don't need to win every header you don't need to heal your granny out of the way you need to hold your line if he's not defending that way as well as not as well as being limited in possession uh, I'm, I'm kind of stuck with him a bit I think it's an easy cheer thing that the running out and doing the big header and I think yep. in Scotland you get you know you get the kind of hey for that and it, maybe it becomes really tempting I'm going to go and do that and again it's judgment as you say it's can I get there no right I'll just hold my position and hopefully that will be something that comes because he does have a lot of good attributes to his game 
We face a crucial week now, James. Um, we've got Braga on Wednesday. We've got Hearts on Saturday. Um, realistically, the league is at best a long shot. So these two games are absolutely crucial in maintaining think, goodwill with the fans. But interest, really. If we, if it doesn't go away in both of these games, and given the way that we have been. Um, it's it's not out with the realms of possibility that that could be the case come uh, Sunday morning. It's it's going to be really really deflating because there's no evidence to suggest that things and luck that you need for the title that that's going to swing. Um, Braga will be difficult. It, it will be a very similar kind of game to what we saw. I don't see Braga overly changing. Um, the way that they are going to play. Adam is right in, in terms of the defensive sense, but from an attacking point of view, when they've got guys like Trincao, who is you know, sensational for his age, he's going to be... Yeah, I, I could see him being... You know, They talk about, oh, the next Messi, the next blah, blah, blah. He's good, he reminds me of Kaka in terms of the way that he plays, uh, and I think he, will, he, he could well end up at that kind of level. It's no wonder that Barca paid the money that they did for him. Um, they've got a lot of fast, wide players, and they will they will attack our wide areas, which we have to be very, very aware of because we are susceptible to allowing crosses to come in, um, and they are a threat from set pieces too. So I I firmly believe that they are going to score against us in Portugal. I also believe that we are capable of getting a goal as well, especially when we've got Camberi playing from the start. It's just whether we can hold out and somehow find a way to not lose. That's all we need to do. If we can get a draw or if we can win the game, we're through. And it's a magnificent achievement yet again. But it's going to be very, very tough. Hearts, they will probably play exactly the same way that they played against us on January 26th. Uh, and our players have to face up to, face up to that. And we won't have Kimberi for then, so we will have Morelos back. Um is the fact that he doesn't play on Wednesday a shot in the arm for him, and hopefully you'll you'll get back to that because Adam's right. He's crucial to that setup, and we need you know our attacking fullbacks there as well. The fact that we're missing Barisic for the period of time that we're going to be is a big blow to that as well. We're just we're we're bang out of luck in terms of players who are available, players who are out of form, and and all of that. Uh, but we just got to try and write this out, and hopefully, hopefully we can get get by because it's going to be a rather miserable rest of the season if it doesn't go away. But I'm confident, nevertheless, that uh, certainly at least one of the games we will advance in that particular competition. Which one? Sad fact is I'm actually not overly sure. Yeah, I mean, strangely, I'm more confident about Wednesday than I am for oh, a trip to Rotten Old Tynecastle with shitey Hearts team. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm not really... To, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not worried about Braga, but I feel like it's perfectly suited to how we can play. Yeah. Um, they'll score Europe. against us, but we'll score against them. Yeah, I don't I don't have any doubts that there'll be goals on each side. I'm, I'm not concerned. For me, it's ridiculous that we're concerned about going to Tynecastle for the third time this season and we've got one point and they're bottom of the league and their only league win, understand, is, is against us. Um, that is borderline embarrassing, if I'm honest. It's, we know ex- It's over we, that line, don't worry. Yeah. We know exactly how they're going to play, as James alluded to. They're going to get in our faces, they're going to defend well, and they're going to hit us with long balls. Um, we know that's going to happen. We need to combat it. Wednesday will be interesting. Um, it should be a good game, I think. Um, and as James said, these two games need to save the season, really, and give us give us a bit of a 
interest into March, as uh, as shocking as that sounds. Okay, folks, uh, that'll do us for this week, with the exception of one other thing. Uh, the Rangers women's team kicked off their season yesterday with a 3-0 win over Hearts, and Heart in Hand is proud to announce that we will be sponsoring one of their star summer signings, or winter signings, I suppose, uh, Bala Devi. Uh, the Indian international, we will be sponsoring her for the season and very proud to do so. Right. Thank you to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers. Thank you to my two guests. First of all, Adam Thornton. Cheers, David. James Forrest. Thank you, David. Thank you, Adam. If you want some great Heart and Hand content, loads of great written blogs, please visit our new updated website. It's www.heartandhand.co.uk. Thank you for listening. We will be back on Thursday. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, why not check out our Patreon site? For as little as the price of a matchday programme a month, you'll get access to loads of Jer's content, including daily updates, tactical analysis, previews and post-match shows, plus an amazing archive covering all things Rangers, including stepping back in time to discuss particular games, managerial reviews, interviews with Ibrox legends, watch-alongs and the odd bit of stuff and nonsense too. Please head over to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand and join thousands of bears on the best value podcast on the world's most successful club. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.